the Museum of Human Oddities, featuring the hydrocephalic skull replica in accordance with Human Oddity Transport, presents The 404 Guy for October 31st, 2015. Alright, uh, hello everybody, this is the 404 guy, and this is, uh, this is our first episode today. And, uh, we're gonna start this one off by just telling you exactly what the hell is this podcast. Well, basically the intent of this podcast is to talk about free software and open source software. We are not attempting to replace Linux Outlaws. I want to get that out right off the bat. I loved Linux Outlaws, it was a great influence on me, but this podcast doesn't intend to go anywhere near that. Essentially what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing monthly episodes, about 30 minutes in length, and if anybody wants to be a co-host, send me a message, because I am talking to myself right now, and uh, not, not only that, talking to myself in the second person when I say we. Uh, in addition to that, this is going to be made completely on Linux uh, software. So free software, podcast completely. Uh, for the purposes of full disclosure, I would like to mention that I do have a Macintosh computer sitting next to me, but it's just being used as a coaster. Now, technically that does mean that Apple software is being used in part to produce this. It is not contributing significantly though as it's being used merely as a coaster. So that's uh, full disclosure right there. So this is the 404 Guy podcast for October 31st, 2015. These should come out around the end of the month. Uh, this one's being recorded a couple days ahead of time, so if anything changes in the next three days, unfortunately it won't be captured by that. So yeah, here we go with my first episode. like to kind of get into the main part of this by talking about exactly what are my views on open source software and software freedom in general. Well, obviously, uh, I like free software, otherwise I wouldn't be making a podcast about it. Um, essentially, my first experiences with free software was with Ubuntu. I had an old computer in my basement that my parents were just going to throw away, and I said, hey, I'll take that. So I took the computer, I installed uh, Ubuntu Linux on it, that was Ubuntu 7.04, so apparently I've been using Linux since 2007, and uh, ever since then I've just been a Linux user. So I started off with Ubuntu back then, and then quickly moved on to Fedora, uh, after Ubuntu kind of screwed me over. So I had Fedora 10 for the longest time, and would occasionally install on a secondary partition Fedora 14, Fedora 15, but I had Fedora 10 as a consistent operating system for about three years. Uh, no, two years. And then uh, then I moved off to university, and uh, that's when it all went to shit, and I realized that I hated Fedora. And uh, pretty much after that, 
I installed Arch Linux, and I've been on Arch Linux ever since, and it uh, meshes a lot better with my personal love of software. Arch Linux is minimalist. You only install what you need. You don't install all this extra crap, and you don't have to worry about them changing on the next update because it's a rolling release. So you don't have massive changes between releases. You don't have to worry about when the next release date is. You just update your software whenever the hell you feel like. It's rolling release. And Arch Linux is my favorite operating system simply because of that fact. So we're going to get on to our software showcase of the day. And I should say the software showcase of the month since this is a monthly podcast. So our first week's software showcase, our first month's software showcase, is uh, the LaTeX or LaTeX free document processor, which produces very beautiful documents. LaTeX is a free word processor and markup language, which makes professional quality documents. LaTeX uses plain text and markup tagging to define a document structure. There are many compilers available, such as TextLive, MicTex, and Lix. LaTeX is very modular, allowing the user to specify which packages they want to use at the beginning of the document. The user can write documents on Windows, Mac, Linux, etc., and it does not require a graphical user interface in order to write a document, making it an ideal candidate for computers that do not have graphics acceleration. One of the greatest advantages of LaTeX is that it avoids citation and cross-referencing errors. Instead of adding citations manually and putting in a number yourself, the way LaTeX works is you put in a markup structure and it adds the numbering for you when it processes the document. You'll run through, scan the document, make a list of tables, citations, etc., and number them appropriately. LaTeX handles tables and pictures itself in sub-environments, which it then places at optimal locations within the document. And if the user does not desire this behavior, they can modify it so that it performs otherwise. LaTeX can produce a wide range of documents from reports, articles, to books. LaTeX is released under LaTeX Project Public License, or LPPL, which is not compatible with the GPL, because it requires that any modified files be clearly differentiated from the originals. It is still, however, free software, in the sense that you are permitted to modify it, simply that if you re-release it, you have to differentiate from the original. LaTeX can be compiled for Unix, BSD, Linux, Windows, DOS, and even Plan 9, so there's a lot of different platforms you can use this on. The latest version, as of this recording date, is dated October 1st, 2015. The biggest downside to LaTeX is that it has a very steep learning curve. Your first document is likely to be the most difficult, with the most notable difficulty being achieving the actual setup for the document, including the calls to the appropriate packages. You don't simply start with LaTeX, or to quote a famous meme, one does not simply start with LaTeX. Uh, there are plenty of online forums, so if you run into a brick wall or you need help getting your first document started up, then you can quickly find help. The way that many users operate with LaTeX is they will design a standard document for reference. They will build off of that one document, eventually getting something much more complex, but covers all of their needs for future documents. So that was our software showcase of the day featuring LaTeX for October 31st, 2015. And now for some of our monthly Linux news. Uh, this is mostly over the past couple of weeks. But uh, Firefox is marking 
in their next release, HTTP login forms as insecure, according to Matthias Genier, whose website reports that standard HTTP pages with inputs of type password will be marked as insecure. Which basically means, if you want to have secure logins, you got to use HTTPS, and if you don't use HTTPS, you really weren't secure in the first place. So now, Firefox is basically just going to be telling you that it's insecure to be logging in on HTTP, because HTTPS, that requires encryption, and therefore is secure. So, just saying that it's insecure to use HTTP, that's not a very big deal in my mind. That's something that they probably should have been doing in the first place. But now, it's official. Time to switch to HTTPS, everyone. Fedora 23 is going to be delayed. Uh, so for those of you hoping to get it this week, you'll be disappointed to hear that you have to wait until November 3rd at the earliest. I've seen releases slip a lot further than a couple of weeks with Fedora. It could, it could be a week, it could be a couple of weeks, it could be almost a month. It depends on the severity of the issues. But basically what they have an issue with right now is that KDE does not start on 32-bit virtualization, and there's a black screen after logout, which is a very major issue because one of their uh, core requirements for a release is that if you log out, you have to be going into the state that you were originally. Uh, so, for example, when you first turn on your computer, you get that login screen. Well, when you log out, you should be returning to that exact state and nothing different. Essentially, there were just some major issues, and they have to work through those. And they're going to meet again on Thursday, the 29th of October, to discuss the go or no go once again. Unfortunately, as of this recording date, it has not yet been discussed. Uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of Fedora. I, I had used them for such a long time, and I went with all the releases, and then Fedora, 9, or Fedora 17 came out. Fedora 17, they named it Beefy Miracle. They were, they're making fun of their own operating system. I could not take them seriously. So after they decided to name their operating system Beefy Miracle, I just, no, I'm not going to go with Fedora ever again. Because if they cannot take their own operating system seriously, then what happens if there's a security bug or security flaw? They won't take it seriously if they can't even take themselves seriously. And if they can't even take themselves seriously... They won't take a security bug seriously. Apparently anybody who uses their software can't be taken seriously. I am not going to go with anything like that. That's It's completely ridiculous. They should never have done that. And I'm certain that in that decision they lost a fairly large number of, uh, of users. It is just the stupidest decision that I think they've ever made. And I, it's funny, as of Fedora 20, three releases later, they decided to stop with their naming scheme. They're no longer doing uh, named releases. Now it's just Fedora 20, Fedora 21, or Fedora 21 after, yeah, Fedora 21. So Fedora 21, Fedora 22. I think Fedora 20 was, uh, I, I forget. But they named it after a joke. Enough said. Like, just, just saying, we named our distribution, we named our release for this version of Fedora after a joke. That's enough said right there. I mean, you don't even you don't need to go any further after that. It's it's pathetic. So I I'm I'm not one to use Fedora ever again. Super Tux Cart 
released with a new and updated tracks, new characters, bug fixes, physics tweaks, and more. Super Tux Kart is a racing game featuring some prominent open-source mascots, including Tux, the Linux Penguin. Uh, essentially, playing this game, it's, it's very reminiscent of uh, Mario Kart, where in Mario Kart you would have uh, racing around a track, you pick up little boosts, you pick up uh, items, and you use those to slow down your opponents and try to get to first place. Well, that's kind of what Super Tux Kart is, and, you know, it's pretty fun. It's a nice game. It's, it does feel a little bit childish playing it, to be perfectly honest, but, uh, you know, with a game like that, how could you not? <laughs> it would be nice, however, on Linux to see more of an adult racing game. Something where you have, I don't know, crashes, fire, a really good graphics engine. And that would be nice to see on Linux. There's a few starts already, but nothing significant. Now, I'm sure you can get it in Wine. Wine isn't Linux. Wine, Wine is a compatibility layer, and sure, it'll work, but it's just not, not native. And native support is kind of what you want, in general. Linux 4.3, release candidate 7, has been announced. Now, I've heard that with Linux 4.3, uh, the infamous bug on 32-bit or on 64-bit machines has been fixed. And what is this bug I'm referring to? There's a bug in the Linux kernel that's been for the last couple of uh, last couple of releases from 4.1.1, I think it was, all the way up to 4.2, somewhere in the most recent release. They might have fixed it already before 4.3. Whoa, sorry to interrupt you there, 404 guy. Uh, this is the 404 guy from the future. In fact, this bug has been fixed in Linux kernel version 4.2.4 and in the LTS kernel version 4.1.11. I've been following this bug very closely because the issue is if you're running a 64-bit AMD machine and you run Linux 32-bit then you get a kernel panic when you boot. That is completely major. They have done nothing to fix this issue. For months in the released Linux kernels these are kernels that have been officially released, and this issue has not been addressed yet. I am disappointed by that. There are so many people who use a 32-bit operating system on a 64-bit machine, either for driver's issues or software issues, and they can't run on the most recent kernel. This is complete crap. How can you even release something like that. It's a simple fix. There's four lines, I think there's like, I looked at a, a patch, there's four lines of code you need to change. And the end user's not gonna change it. Why would the end user change it? It's, I, I've been waiting for this for such a long time, and once it's passed, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dust my hands and I'm gonna say, finally, it's done. And I'm not even gonna address the issue again, because it should not happen again. This is, this is basic stuff, and uh, I, I was very disappointed by that. Just a huge regression. But you know what? I think 4.3, when it's released, it's going to be much better, especially for those users of 64-bit machines using 32-bit Linux. It's going to be much better for you guys. And overall, uh, every, with every Linux kernel release, it just gets better and better. More hardware support, more, more speed. Uh, it's a little bit bigger. 
it's a bit of a big kernel, but uh, the Linux kernel has kind of grown over the past few years. You look at the original, it was, what, a couple of floppy disks? So, you know what? You're going to get that when you get more technology. Ultimately, the Linux kernel is everything. It contains the drivers for the motherboard. It contains the drivers for the base hardware. So you get new features, you get more stuff that you want to do with your kernel, and it just increases the size. Uh, there's been no new news on the Trans-Pacific Partnership that Canada has been looking to get into. The Trans-Pacific Partnership is a bit of a concern for some free software advocates because of its laws on intellectual property and copyrights. Now, I haven't really looked into it very much so far, but from what I can tell, I really don't think it's going to do much. I mean, maybe with the intellectual property stuff and copyright, whatever that they have in there, uh, the people who use kind of the DRM tools on Linux to play DVDs and stuff, they might be a little bit at risk. You know, you might not be able to do that anymore, but uh, and ultimately it's, it's not too big of a deal, I don't think, because it, it depends on how... The, if there's like a first case, that's that's how common law works. You have to have a first case precedent, which tells you exactly how the law applies, and then after that, then it's law. So until then, we can't really say what it's going to do. Ultimately, what are you going to do? You can't you can't change history. History wants to go one way. You're not going to change it. So this was episode one of the 404 guy. For October 31st, 2015, I'm the 404 Guy, and thank you for listening.